Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast, brought to you by Blue Box Partners, the only show dedicated to small business residential surveyors and valuers, created by surveyors for surveyors. In every episode, you'll learn something new about the vibrant and thriving industry of residential surveying. We don't mind what flavor of surveyor you are or what level of experience you might have. If you're in the business of helping people with their homes, this is the community for you. I'm Marian Ellis, and in this episode, I'm speaking to Nick Brown of Ashridge Surveyors. A residential building surveyor, APC mentor and assessor, Nick has a particular interest in party walls. So hello, Nick. Welcome to the podcast. Lovely to be here. Thank you very much. And when we when I record these podcasts, I try to do it on Zoom so I can see you because it's a bit easier. And I wasn't expecting you to be rocking a beard. No, 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 no. I, I think you'd be very disappointed when you look at my LinkedIn photo versus real life. But... Well, I, well, I was, yeah. yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Is that a, a, a lockdown beard? It's a lockdown beard, yeah. I've not had a shave since the start of lockdown and I'm not going to have one until the end of lockdown. So. Are you getting sponsor money for that or is it just... No, it's just laziness. <laughs> laziness. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I don't have that challenge. My husband's just, was been debating whether to have a beard, and I just said no. No, well, a lot no, of my no. friends have shaved their heads, but that's not going to happen with me. Yeah, yeah, and me neither. <laughs> so tell me a bit about your business. So I set up Ashes today is just over five years ago. It was a little bit sooner than I perhaps wanted to start the business, but everything just aligned at the same time, and I thought it was a good idea at the time. We're a residential surveying firm based in Tring. There's currently three of us. Before this started, we were actually advertising for a couple of other surveyors to come on board and help out. But perhaps we'll park that for a little while, see what life's like after this all. But yeah, we've been practicing now for just over five years. Mainly keep it local, but uh, so that, you know, the Tring, Hertfordshire area. But we have got bits and pieces in London. We do go further afield if we need to. So, yeah. And what were some of the challenges in setting up? Good question. So at the time, my wife was was three months pregnant. So there was that focus on the, the getting getting ready for the, the baby, but also making sure everything was in place, like you know, complaints handling procedures, insurances. Where, you know, I listened to the podcast last week regarding the insurances. I'm quite interested in that. But um, yeah, I think it was just kind of getting everything in place. The other thing I found was that because it was a new business. I was unable to kind of get credit easily from like local firms. So certainly we were trying to get printing sorted out with a local firm. And they said, well, you need to have a reference from another firm. I said, well, I've just set up. How can I give you a reference from another firm? So that was really quite difficult. That was a, a bit of an eye-opening experience for me. But uh, we got there in the end. And how do you uh, get business so you do you use some of these online referral tools or is it sort of just been growing your network locally? I mean, business-wise, I'm, I'm quite fortunate that I, you know, to a large extent, I actually grew up in the area. So I know the area fairly well. Before I set up the business, I worked for another firm in the area. I kind of get involved quite a lot with, with quite a lot of community stuff. Anyway, even before I set the business up, I'm a school governor uh, and I have been for, for 10 years for various schools. And I think it's just, Getting out there and, and getting kind of known to a certain extent, helping out where I can. And I think it's just kind of grown, you know, it's a bit wishy-washy to say, but it's kind of grown organically. Word of mouth. 
I get solicitors recommending me to people or get the occasional estate agent who's not asking for a backhander um, <laughs> to, you know, recommending me to people. So I'm not personally on Facebook, but the, the business is. And I, I'm aware that uh, we get quite a lot of referrals through some of the local groups on Facebook, which I'm really thankful for. So that's, I think that's it mainly. We're not really doing much in the way of advertising. We've got a lovely Art Deco cinema around the corner in Berkeley called The Rex, and we advertise there. But other than that, no, we have very little in the way of advertising. I think it's really important for surveyors actually to embed themselves in their local communities because there's nothing better than a, a referral, personal referral, word of mouth referral for a, for a piece of work. It's the, It's generally the best kind of work. It doesn't cost you anything and we should try and focus on that a lot more mm. i'm interested in you saying you've been a school governor because that's a great way for surveyors to really get is. involved my very first experience of being on a board or any kind of management was as school governor because it was mm. it was the only experience i could get in my career and it was quite an eye-opener because schools were run like little businesses yeah, they are. And there's a lot of challenges met by schools at the moment, especially where those schools are kind of having to go through the academisation process and a lot of due diligence. And I think a lot of the surveyor skills are transferable over to schools, especially when they've got you know, capital projects on, whereby perhaps the surveyor can give their time and knowledge on tendering processes and contracts, etc. But also the school that I'm currently at in, in Berkhamsted I help do the planned and reactive maintenance and also check over the health and safety files, et cetera, as well. So I think if a surveyor has got the time to give, then I think being a school governor is absolutely fantastic. Also, I mean, uh, I know I, I'm aware you're obviously EFRIX as well, but when I came to put the application in for the EFRIX, it was a massive help to have that kind of governing experience behind me. And now that's not the reason why I did it, but it was useful to put that forward to them and say, look, actually, I am a school governor, or, you know, I am an editor of a magazine, I am, you know, it's all of these bits and pieces. So, yeah. Editor of, a, editor of a magazine? So not just me on my own, but I am one of the editors on Whispers, which is the Pyramids and Thisbe Club magazine for Party Wall. It's as exciting as I've just made it. <laughs> now, you see, I don't know much about Party Walls. It's not my bag. But I, I'm guessing it's a bit of a passion of yours, is it? Not really. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but I find it odd if anyone did find it passionate. But it's certainly something that I do. I enjoy the kind of quasi-legal bits and pieces in it. Eventually, I'd like to get the company to go down the alternative dispute resolution path as well. And I feel that when you're doing party wall and following the party wall process, quite often you become... A sympathetic ear and in some respects you almost kind of be you know, a mediator and i do find mediation really kind of quite interesting so i mean we're, we're quite fortunate that locally to me here there's a couple of decent mediators who i can i speak with every now and then and that's something that i'd say that the firm will be looking at fairly shortly especially because of this covid thing I have a feeling that there's going to be quite a few, you know, perhaps I don't know how long this knock-on effect is going to be for, but I have a feeling that there's going to be a, quite a few construction disputes arising. And I think anybody that's in that alternative dispute resolution space at the moment are, are going to be well-placed to, to help out and assist. Yeah, you're absolutely right. On an earlier podcast, I spoke to Elaine Arthurs, who's a, um, a lawyer, and she was saying that 
already they're seeing an increase in boundary disputes because obviously everyone's yeah. sitting at home yes. and thinking, hmm, that, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so you can just see that see that happening. So how did people get involved in party walls and that kind of work? Because within the Surveyor Hub, I've seen some questions that people ask and there's a few surveyors who do that kind of work. How do you get started in that? I think you have to have done something wrong in a former life to get Oh, into come it. on. You're making it sound really boring. It, it must it, it's, be. It's a certain level of hell. Um, <laughs> how did I get into it? I, I, when I first came out of university, I, I worked for quite a large firm and they had nobody in it that did party wall. And they just literally looked at me and said, right, you're now the party wall surveyor. It was literally as simple as that. I was sent on the fledgling course for the... Um, faculty of party wall surveyors and was very fortunate to, to have my Alex Frame teaching me and it went from there really I mean that was kind of a crash course of a couple of days and that was 2006 I think so really since then it, I've been doing more and more party wall was very fortunate to have a few jobs on in London with Sarah Burr who fortunately passed away last year but she was at the time the um chair i think of the pyramids and thisby club or president of pyramids and thisby club i can't remember what she was at the time and she said no you you know you need to get involved with the pyramids and thisby club so she put me forward for it and then she was also one of the editors on the magazine and she brought me into that as well so i think it was just one of these bits and pieces where i was just in the right place at the right time i do enjoy party wall, but my biggest challenge is, is other party wall surveyors, I have to say, because it's one of the few areas where you don't obviously have to be a chartered surveyor. I mean, your milkman could wake up tomorrow morning and say, right, I'm going to be a party wall surveyor. And it's those behaviours that sometimes you get from other surveyors where perhaps they haven't got the RSCS behind them ready to give them a, you know, a, a kick in if, if, if needs be, that they can just say whatever they want. You know, these surveyors, I mean, and I have had some very challenging conversations with people where they've just kind of gone into swearing and just being particularly unprofessional. So that for me is something that I personally take an interest in is, is the psychology behind it all. So firstly, I didn't know that, I never registered that you could just be a surveyor, you know, a party wall surveyor. Mm. So actually, you know, sort of being our ICS and having that standard and quality and everything behind you would be great for consumer confidence. But on the reverse, yeah, some of the difficult people that you've got to then deal with because you're mm. trying to negotiate, aren't you? You are. And sometimes, you you, you know, you're, you're fighting. And, and unfortunately, that perhaps not the right term, but you've got an arm up behind your back because you, you know, A, any surveyor should be professional, but MRIC surveyors and then especially FRIC surveyors. So sometimes I get some emails come into my inbox, which are just, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of almost personal and you have to take a very deep breath, take a couple of hours and never respond to those kind of emails on the same day and then just respond the next day, just keeping it factual, ignoring the other bits and pieces. There's a few party wall surveyors out there who are very well known within the industry. Eyes get rolled when their names get mentioned. You know, it's almost as if they want to be the enfant terrible of the party wall industry. And I have a feeling that they were probably the last in line to get picked when they were kids playing football in the playground. I think this is just their way of getting back at the world. But um, there we go. And it tends to actually, it sounds incredibly sexist, but it tends to be men. But also that, that tend to be the um, 
difficult ones to deal with. It sounds like quite a stressful job. Is it stressful party wall work? Yeah, but then, I mean, I listen to your, again, I listen to your podcast regarding kind of valuation work. I mean, that to me seems far more stressful. I don't do valuations. So when I do a home buyer survey, I offer it without the valuation element. I was a registered valuer kind of six or seven years ago, but actually I dropped, I said, I'm going to drop it, especially when I set up the business, because when you look at the insurance for, for valuers, it just puts you into a whole new bracket. So yes, party wall can be stressful, but there's a, you know, you can, you can see a way out of it. And actually there's lots of different interpretations of the act. And I'm very fortunate that I can go to people like Nicholas Isaac or Stuart Frame, who will give as a PNC member will give me, uh, you know, give a couple of minutes of their time. If I do need to kind of bounce things off of people, I've also got. David Moon in London, who is the kind of head editor for, for Whispers. I can always pick his brain if I'm struggling. We're very fortunate that for every kind of nasty piece of work in the party wall world, we've got some really lovely guys as well. It sounds like you've got quite a good network of support. Yeah. I think it's actually yeah. vital that as we develop our careers, we build that network of support. And sometimes people get confused and think they need a mentor or a mm. coach or, or whatever. But actually, it's building that that network of support because where you have the most success in your life is where you'll have the you know yeah. have the most support. How did that happen then? Do you think for you is it does it? I mean, you said it grown organically uh, your, your business, but I personally, I mean, I kind of surround myself with people that I like. I mean, I think that's that's the length and breadth of it is that people buy from people. I think if I get on with somebody. And, you know, there's just some kind of relationship can be formed. It can lead to friendship. I mean, that's the thing. So I'm very fortunate that I have a group that I kind of work with time and time and time again. And that's because I want to work with those people. The fact that I can pick up the phone to people, like, again, like David Moon, or there's a really lovely chap that helped me out early on in my career called Mark Simpson. He works for a firm called David Maycox & Co. And he was very supportive of me earlier on, helped me out. And actually, he's a lovely chat. He's just, he's so now, you know, he still works there 15 years on. I'm able just to phone him up and just have a chat with him now. You know, so I'm very fortunate that I've met some very lovely people. I think that's that's the length, of, again, the length and breadth of it. Sarah Burr got me into the industry. She was fantastic. And again, it's just nice to be around those kinds of people. It's important to maintain these relationships, isn't it, as you go through your career? And it's hard to do that sometimes when you move away or change company. It's important yeah. to uh, to maintain them. The, the reason or the way that we connected on LinkedIn is I saw you were holding some webinars. Yeah. Tell me a yeah. bit about that. So I occasionally uh, lecture at um, either Plymouth or Oxford Brookes University. And that's just something that I got into probably about 10 years ago and it's something that I enjoy doing because it's different to my normal working day and uh, when this lockdown thing came about the universities obviously shut down and I think a lot of the students that I was speaking to primarily through LinkedIn were concerned that they were going to miss out or have a drop in their studies so I think I mean, I was chatting to somebody about this yesterday, actually. I think the day the lockdown was announced, I, I went on LinkedIn the next day and just said, look, you know, anybody that wants 
a webinar on something, you know, just let me know what it is that you would like like to hear about. If I can't give it personally, I will find you somebody in my network of people that would be willing to give it. And that was at the start of lockdown. And it started off with myself giving the talks and primarily on kind of defects and you know, building related matters. And then we had Francis McPee come along and do a talk contracts and specifically force majeure and where COVID-19 may be affecting construction contracts. We had Rebecca Jamman come along and give a talk on fire safety, which is obviously big after Grenfell. And it's just kept going from there, really. I mean, I, 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 what I've kind of promised people is that, A, I, I don't want to monetize it, but B, also that um, I'll we'll keep going until lockdown is, is formally over. And again, it's just, if I can help anybody out, if there's any APC students out there, you know, that I can help out, with this any university students that, that benefit from that's great you know that's and it keeps me busy because i mean my work is essentially kind of dropped off a cliff really so it's good to have that every thursday at one o'clock it's good to have that to kind of focus on and think about otherwise i'm just going to sit around and watch the tiger king on repeat <laughs> yeah there's it's interesting you saying sort of about APC candidates and, and graduates and that because i recognize that a lot of them they'll be feeling quite scared right now you know, you, you've focused your career and training to get qualified, to get a job, to pay off the bills and just to get started in your life. And actually, for a lot of people, they'll be feeling quite vulnerable that you know, will there be an industry um, at yeah. the end of it? And that's the biggest question I get asked uh, yeah. at the end of it. Uh, and they will. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a very resilient industry. We've been going, you know, as RICS has been going for over 150 years. And I think sometimes we forget that we have the wherewithal inside us to, to do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember reading, um, I've got some little old surveyor journals, long story, but I rescued them from a skip about 10 years ago. And they date back to 1896, the original surveyor's journals, Modus and Property Journal of the Day. I remember looking through them and uh, it's particularly very sad actually when I look at some of the ones through the war years because they talk about uh, you know the war and the men aren't coming back from the war and how we're going to value property who's going to who's going to value the property and you know just the how they've tackled things it's also interesting in there you've they've talked about transport and how London is expanding even then and how will we cope they also talk about, I mean, there's a lot of it's about farming because obviously surveying a lot of it started with um, with farming and land. But it's in. But what I find really fascinating is the the transcripts and the presentations that they that they were giving and put together in these sort of little little booklets. Some of them are quite poetic. They do talk about their lives, and for me, I talk a lot about work life integration, not work life balance, because it's quite hard mm. to wear lots of different hats. And I can just see that in these these old, old sort of booklets mm. that they you know they bring their poetry to work. Um, yeah, yeah, quite 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 fascinating insights. And when I look at that, I think, yeah, you know, we can do this. We can mm. move forward because things like birth, deaths, marriages, debts mm. will always continue to happen, and therefore property transactions will always happen. Mm. But people I think need it's, to move sometimes, you know, it's, it's not mm. just a want to move, but people actually there's a necessity to move. Yeah, absolutely. But I think as surveyors, we need to learn to diversify yes. and not just wear our home buyer's hats or mortgage no. valuation hat and get into lots of different types of works and really just get curious about the world of surveying. 
I you think know, that's what lockdown can, can kind of give it. Sorry to interrupt you there, I mean, but I think that is something that I'm interested in with lockdown is what you what people do with their time. And there are people that I speak to who I, I have a respect for in, in the business world, and they are literally sitting at home and watching TV, and that's fine. You know, I've got that's up to them. Me personally, I'm taking this opportunity to kind of stop pause and, and okay and think right what do i need to do to diversify now what can i do i don't think there's any excuse for any chartered surveyors not to be hitting their cpd records this year there is so much great content out there that people are giving obviously the surveyor podcast this looks really good on itunes here. yeah i mean there's so much you know information out there people willing to give these free webinars people willing to give their free time anyone that doesn't hit their cpd record this year i just i, I yeah, yeah, you, yeah you say that you say that but i think i might be the only surveyor in the UK, who hasn't watched any of the RICS free CPD webinars oh, really? and training. Okay. L- largely, and I'm on governing council, which is a bit embarrassing, but largely because, you know, I'm adapting my work to work, you know, we're recording this at half six yep. in the morning, yep. which I appreciate. And so working mornings and evenings and during the day, I'm looking after kids yes. and trying to homeschool two kids. Yeah. And that is quite full on. And, you know, so I'll, I'll I will listen to some, I'll, I'll, you know, but I'm not, I'm not caning it in like no. most people have the opportunity to. Uh, but I would say for a lot of people to get curious about what's out there and be really interesting to see what people are, are doing in terms of CPD. Have they tried something totally different that they've never thought they would and just found it interesting and the way that people's careers might shift mm. after this time? Because you're right, it's a good time to pause and reflect on your career and how you've how it's gone so far i mean what have you learned in that respect so interesting not so much on the technical front but i actually got criticized fairly recently for not listening to somebody and actually i mean i'm actually deaf in one ear so there's the ratio should be you know one-to-one with me so that was an interesting kind of criticism to have because I kind of pride myself on the fact that, you know, I think I'm quite a good listener. So that's something I'm focusing on is, is that soft skills perhaps that I've let kind of slip because, when, you know, when I'm working, I, I do tend to go into work mode. I'm looking at my laptop, I'm looking at the screen, I'm focusing on it. A phone call may come in and I'll take that phone call but I'm still working on bits and pieces of work. I mean, my mum's nightmare for it. She'll phone me up during the work day and just say, hey, how are you doing? I'm, yes, my mum at work. But I'm kind of looking at the screen, talking to her. She's not getting my full attention. The screen's not getting my full attention. So I'm now, you know, I, I, I'm focusing on that kind of thing really at the moment rather than perhaps the technical side. I am doing technical stuff as well. I, I've signed up to a training provider for CBM. And essentially, I'm I'm going for my next lot of exams with that. But as I say, it's a soft skills. It's just you know, for I me, it's that, going to become that better listener. Yeah, I think that's so important because as surveyors, we don't always prioritise that as we're going through our APC and you know through our, through our careers, and we're not always offered it. You know, one of the things mm-hmm. I found is surveyors become managers of people because they've been there the longest. You know, they've never really been given that that support on how to be a manager. And it's a really, really tough thing to do. Uh, mm. There's a, a, a couple of great books that I always recommend by a surveyor called Sue Wilcock. I think it's, oh, she'll tell me off not remembering the, 
names of the book. Uh, it's something like um, "Help, I'm a Manager" and "Help, I'm a Graduate." Something like that. I'll put okay. I'll put the correct links in the in the show notes. But it's really important that we start to look at some of that because that's when our stress levels sort of start to go through the roof when we're trying to deal with something that we're not mm. trained and supported. Mm. Uh, to do i'm interested how do you manage your work-life balance or integration as i as i call it do you have offices do you work from home no so when the, when i first started the business it was just me and i worked from home uh which was challenging with a baby and you know a, a young son running around but then by the same token when it came to do the midnight feed, I had my daughter in a Moses basket in the next to me whilst I was working on the laptop at kind of one o'clock in the morning or whatever it was. So for that, it was kind of quite useful that I could be very flexible where I worked previously, that they, they weren't up for people working from home, etc. But in year two, we took offices and Lisa joined me. And uh, I have to say a massive thank you to her because I could not do this without her. And um, yeah, over the last couple of years, she's been absolutely fantastic supporting me and both the work and personal bits and pieces. Last year, uh, I lost a friend, Sarah Burr, my friend, to cancer. I lost my dad to cancer and uh, my grandmother as well. And I just, last year, it was just like, wow, I had just a bad year. And this year with the kind of COVID thing, I, I, kind, of, I kind of shrugged when COVID came along because I thought, oh yeah, sure. Another thing, why not? That's been really tough. I mean, I've been very fortunate that I'm surrounded by people both in my personal and my work life that, that can support me. And I'm kind of quite open about talking about these things with people. There's a firm of architects that I work with. And, and when they found out about this last year, you know, they, they took me out for a drink and that kind of thing. So that work life integration thing, I, I think it's important to have kind of decent relationships with people, not just people you work with, but actually people that you like and get on with as well. On another note, I can take the kids to school. I can uh, go and watch the school plays. You know, I, I, I kind of run my own diary. So if I need to, you know, and, and same thing for Lisa and same thing for Matthew as well. If they want to kind of, what, you know, go and see something with their family, that's far more important than anything that we do at work. So, you know, I've always said that family first and then, and then work. And I think when you give people that time, put things that are important to them as a, as a priority they they give you back tenfold in terms they of really do. yeah in terms of loyalty and time to get the job done and pull yeah. pull it out of the bag when when things need to be done and it's just a human kind yeah. thing to do i mean lisa's a nightmare for it because i mean i i keep she will send me an email at like nine o'clock at night saying oh have you seen this this email that's come through and i'm like yes i have but please stop working but it, it, she just actually goes way over She's also brilliant in so much of the fact that every time I talk about a pay rise with her, she's always like, oh, we'll talk about it next year. No, <laughs> like, oh, no, 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 come on. But yeah, there's, there's, she's very, I mean, as I said, I couldn't do it now. But she, you know, if she's listening to this, she can probably demand a pay rise. Of <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, it's been really nice to talk to you this morning. And nice yeah, to put no, a really. bearded face to a name that I've seen. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I'm going to speak to you. You've been listening to the Surveyor Hub podcast. We'd love it if you leave a review and let us know how we're doing. And if you want to find out more about how we're making a difference, visit us at blueboxpartners.com.